All right, good. Praise the Lord. Well, I hope that by the end of the meeting, you'll be feeling even better than you do now. Uh, On the 1st of January this year, I don't know if you know that 30 years of the first mobile phone call was commemorated in the UK. And I can remember, it reminded me of an occasion when Joy and I were walking through the town center and we met a a church member and his wife was expecting a baby and the baby was due imminently. And he had a carrier bag with him. And in the carrier bag was his mobile phone. And uh, the mobile phone battery, it was like a car battery with a big handset. Well, things have moved on since then, as we know. We now have um, smartphones where you can access the internet, you can Skype people on the other side of the world. There's all sorts of things you can do with your, your mobile phone these days. I read some stat- interesting statistics about communication and how our forms of communication, if you like, have exploded. So, for example, on Twitter, have we got any Twitter fans here? I know we have. Just don't be, don't be shy. Yeah, a few, a few. Twitter fans here. Well, Twitter, there are 284 million users per month. Uh, Facebook, anybody do Facebook? Willing to admit that as well? Yeah, okay. Facebook, and I've got, I've got Twitter and Facebook. In fact, I've got two f- Facebook accounts. Um, Facebook, 1.35 billion users every month. WhatsApp, anybody use WhatsApp? Yeah, these things are all very useful. You can, you can speak to people. You can communicate with people on the other side of the world. I have to say, I really I use it a lot. And WhatsApp, there are 30 billion messages sent every day. It's incredible. Technology is great, very helpful. You go into the supermarket. You can self-scan. Any self-scanners here? A few? Good. Okay. You can uh, go to the railway station get tickets from the machine. You can even go to McDonald's now in the town and uh, you don't need to speak to anybody. You just touch the screen and order your stuff and pay with your card and that's it. You go to the petrol station, you do the same thing. Go to the library, get your books out, take your books back, uh, pay your fines. You can do all that kind of stuff as I had to do the other day. You go to any event, whether it's the theater, the cinema, even here at King's, believe it or not, outdoor event, walking through the town, you'll see somebody on their mobile phone. I walked from here to Marks and Spencer the other day, which is probably about one minute's walk, and I noticed half a dozen people, as they were just walking along, they were just staring at their mobile phone. Our communication has exploded. However, I sometimes... I rest my case, me lud. <laughs> However, <laughs> I sometimes wonder if we're living now in a much more depersonalized society. Texts and emails, they don't have the subtle nuances of language, the tones, the facial expression, the gestures, the human touch. The Apostle John wrote this in his second letter. I have much to write to you, but I do not want to use paper and ink. Instead, I hope to visit you and talk with you face to face so that our joy may be complete. Well, two centuries ago, he knew what it was all about. I went to see The Hobbit last week. Anybody else seen The Hobbit? Okay, a few. Okay. I thought it was really great, really enjoyed it. The third episode it was. And there was this wonderful scene 
where two of the main characters, for those who know it was Bilbo and Gandalf, I haven't got time to explain who they are, but two of the main characters were just sitting on some steps. And I thought it was very brave of the director to put this scene in. It was a short scene. They just sat on some steps and they didn't say anything. But a huge amount was communicated as they just, through gestures and movements and eyes and facial expressions, it was a really moving scene. And I wonder what people are looking for in life. What is it that, what is it that people look for? What is it that they ultimate? What is it that they want out of life? Well, I think certainly people want happiness, surely. Everybody wants happiness, don't they? They want fulfillment. They want a sense of fulfillment in their life. And if not riches, then certainly a degree of comfort and security. My question is this. Can these really be obtained without good relationships? I think not. The amazing thing, and we've heard it again this morning, is that God wants to share who he is with us. Relentlessly, we've heard this morning. He relentlessly wants to share who he is with you and me. He wants to get up close and personal. I appreciate it's in a different way. It's not in a physical sense, but it's to do with his spirit. And our beliefs, again, we heard it prophetically this morning. They're not simply to do with rules, a new set of rules to live by, but a new person to relate to. Because our beliefs, ultimately, they're to do with relationship. From a broken relationship with God to a restored relationship with Him. And in order to achieve that, the Holy Spirit is necessary. Jesus declared in John 3, verse 3, I tell you the truth. No one can see the kingdom of God unless he is born again. This is the work of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, without the Holy Spirit, we cannot be born again. He comes. What does he do? He convicts us. He convicts us of the darkness that we're in. We might not even understand the terminology, but he convicts us of the fact that we are separated from God. He convicts us of our sin, of our rebellion against God. He comes and he convicts us that we're going the wrong way. Certainly that happened to me as a young man. The Holy Spirit came and I was completely convicted in an instant that I was going the wrong way in my life. My thinking was taking me in the wrong way. My actions were taking me in the wrong way. And the Holy Spirit came and he put the light on and convicted me of that. Not only did the Holy Spirit do that, but he revealed the truth of who Jesus is. That's one of the things the Holy Spirit does. He comes. He is the Spirit of truth. And he comes and he reveals the truth of who Jesus is. He puts the light on. It's a bit like, um, and this is an illustration that Nicky Gumbel uses, which I find helpful. It's, we have in our house a gas boiler. And in order for the gas boiler to function, the pilot light has to be on. If the pilot light is not on, you can shove as much gas into it as, as you like and nothing will happen except be dangerous. But the pilot light needs to be on. So when the Holy Spirit comes, and when you're born again, the Holy Spirit is actively involved in that, and the light goes on. But through the baptism of the Holy Spirit, the power comes on. We have an old boiler at our house downstairs, but you can hear it when it comes on. I hear it every morning. I know exactly the time that it's due to come on. The gas comes, and because the pilot light is on, the power comes on. 
And the baptism of the Spirit is like that. John the Baptist, when he came, he said this, I baptize you with water, but he, Jesus, will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. Now, in John the Baptist's day, he baptized in the River Jordan. And people would come, obviously, down to the river, and they would get submerged in the water. Jesus himself, it happened to him. He came, he was baptized, he was submerged right under the water. And we've seen it here as well at King's on many occasions. Where I'm standing now underneath here is our baptism pool. We remove all these covers, we fill it with water. People come and they get baptized. They go under the water. They get fully submerged. They get drenched. They get soaked. And when they come out, they're dripping wet. They know that they've been baptized. There's no question of it. They've experienced it. And everybody else knows as well. The baptism of the Spirit is a powerful, dynamic experience. You get thoroughly drenched by the Holy Spirit. You get soaked by the Holy Spirit. You get immersed in the Holy Spirit. You experience many things to do with the Holy Spirit, which I'll unpack in a moment. You find there's a new power in your life, a new sense of confidence not in yourself, but in Jesus. And we had, we had that again prophetically this morning, to look to Him. Our confidence is not in ourselves. Our confidence is not in our own abilities. Our confidence is not in our intellectualism. But our confidence is in the Lord. Where does that confidence come from? It comes from the power of the Spirit being upon us. That the Holy Spirit comes and he tells us who is Lord, who is seated on the throne. I want to say this to some of you here this morning. You're going through some difficult times, but Jesus would say this to you. Your times are in my hands. They're in my hands. They're not in anybody else's. So the Spirit of God comes and he gives us a confidence of who we are in God and who God is in us and who God himself is. Not only does the Holy Spirit do that, but when, he, when you get baptized with the Holy Spirit, you can expect to receive good gifts from Him. And then the next couple of weeks, we're going to unpack two of them. We're gonna, Neil's going to be talking about the gift of tongues, speaking in a language you haven't learned, given by the Spirit. And John's going to be talking about prophecy. So the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts as well as the power of the Spirit comes upon us. We see with the disciples, for example, when they were baptized in the Holy Spirit, before that, they were quite fearful. They ran away. You know, they all fled as Jesus was arrested. Peter said, I will never deny you. A servant girl comes up to him. And what does he do? He denies Christ with curses. Why? Because he's afraid. But after the day of Pentecost, when they're baptized with the Holy Spirit, who's at the forefront In Jerusalem, declaring the works of Jesus. It's Peter. Why? What's happened to him? It's the power of the Spirit that's come upon him. Was he a believer before that? Of course he was a believer. He'd been with Jesus for three years. He was one of the first ones to declare that Jesus was the Christ. He knew who he was. He believed in him. But he was timid and fearful. But after he was baptized with the Holy Spirit, the power of God came upon him. His life was changed. His life was transformed. What do you need to be baptized with the Holy Spirit. What are the requirements, if you like? You might say, okay, I'm on board so far. Well, the pilot light needs to be on for a start. You you need to be born again. You need the experience of knowing who Jesus is and have committed your life to Him. Then that qualifies you. And for some people, 
that happens simultaneously with being baptized with the Spirit of God. As I look back on my own experience, I was filled as I turned my life around. The Lord helped me to do that. As I realized I was going the wrong way, I needed to do something about it. My thinking, my actions, my decisions, my lifestyle, it was all wrong. I realized that. That was the conviction of the Spirit. And then the Spirit of God came powerfully upon me. And I was filled with a, just an amazing sense of God's love. Overwhelming sense. In fact, His tangible presence. It was almost as if sitting in that room, I could touch the Spirit of God. It was so tangible, the love of God and the joy of the Lord. And that went on for some time. So the pilot light needs to be on. And a measure of faith too. Because God wants to give you good gifts. He's not in the business of giving you bad ones. It's your birthright now. If the pilot light is on and you haven't experienced what it is to be baptized with the Holy Spirit, I want to say this. It is your birthright. It is your right. And Jesus commands us, in fact, be filled with the Spirit. I want to give the Spirit to you. So don't approach with fear, but with faith. You might say, well, what will happen? If I'm baptized with the Holy Spirit, what will happen? Will I have to do something weird? (laughs) Well... In my own experience, I've never had to do anything. I've never had to do anything, let alone anything weird. You know, you're never out of control. I find I'm never out of control when the Holy Spirit's not like that. I've heard it said the Holy Spirit's a gentleman. The Holy Spirit does not make you a robot. The Holy Spirit does not make you a zombie. And Neil will talk about that, I'm sure, next week in terms of speaking in tongues. Who does the speaking? You do it. But I do find that uh, it's a powerful experience. I find it's amazing. I find even this morning, as we were worshiping together, the Spirit came upon me again, or came, you know, those living waters. And I was affected by what was going on. I was affected by the prophetic words. I was affected by the worship. I was affected by the sense of God's presence. I was affected by the words that were being projected, and we were singing. And I... It was as if the Lord gave me again a a kind of an insight into the way he sees things. (laughs) Because often he sees things differently than we do. Because he is who he is. It's an amazing, wonderful experience. I find often my emotions are affected. As I said earlier, just sometimes profound love or joy. And sometimes it's just seeing a situation differently because God is involved in it. Sometimes just an overflowing sense of peace. Sometimes... Huge laughter is what I would say. And uh, there are times when, when the Spirit has come, when it's just been overwhelmingly humorous. It's been hilariously funny. And I think the reason, partly, is because the joy of the Lord is our strength. I think, as well, it talks about God laughing at His enemies. And I can remember on occasions when the Spirit's been upon me, when when I've had a sense of Jesus is so great, who can withstand him? All the hordes of hell, all the armies of earth, they cannot withstand him. He is enthroned forever and ever. And that just brought a huge sense of joy and huge laughter. Sometimes tears as well. Wow. The Holy Spirit is wonderful and affects us emotionally at times. 
and giving us gifts too. But actually, in the end, in the end, the focus is on Jesus. The Holy Spirit comes. It's like these cathedrals that you get in the cities, and uh, you get these floodlights. Well, even in the town center, the parish church, it gets floodlit at night, and it lights it up. Well, the Holy Spirit does that to Jesus. He floodlights Jesus. He glorifies him, and we get transformed as we gaze upon him as well. The apostle Paul urges us to keep being filled. He says in Ephesians 5.18, be filled with the Spirit. Be being filled with the Spirit. So I want to ask you a few questions now. When were you last filled with the Spirit? When did you last ask? Are you still thirsty? Or are you satisfied with where you are? You don't have to be worthy, but you need to be thirsty. On the last and greatest day of the feast, Jesus stood and said in a loud voice, If anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, streams of living water will flow from within him. By this he meant the Spirit, whom those who believed in him were later to receive. Up to that time, the Spirit had not been given since Jesus had not yet been glorified. Well, now Jesus has been glorified. He is in heaven, and so the Holy Spirit has been sent. And the day of Pentecost was the first time when the Holy Spirit came in power on the disciples. So what do we need to be baptized with the Spirit? Well, the pilot light needs to be on. You don't have to be worthy, but you need to be thirsty. And sometimes as well, we need to be persistent in asking. You might be sitting there and you might be saying, well, I've been prayed for and nothing's happened. Well, I was reading this week and listening to Terry Virgo, who heads up New Frontiers, or did head up New Frontiers, And Terry's testimony was this. As a young man, he got saved. He became a Christian. The pilot light went on, if you like. But he knew that he was quite timid, having said that. And he was down in Brighton, and he saw these two old ladies who were preaching the gospel rather badly, and he felt a bit embarrassed. But he said, well, I was too fearful to do it. But I knew that I I needed something to happen in my life. And so he got desperate. And in the end, he asked someone to pray for him. He persisted. And he was filled with the Holy Spirit, and the rest is history, as, we, as you say. The Holy Spirit comes differently to different people on different occasions. But I think you do need to be persistent. As a teenager, sitting at the back of a geography class in Beaconsfield, my wife Joy was baptized with the Holy Spirit. Sitting at the back of the class, probably not paying attention, or oh, I don't know. <laughs> no, probably very studious. The studious ones all sit at the back of the class, as we know. No, but she was baptized with the Holy Spirit as a teenager. The power of the Spirit came upon her. She was filled with the joy of the Lord. Um, Another couple in the church, uh, they usually come to the second meeting, Jeff and Mim. They were, they'd heard about the Holy Spirit. They were believers, but they hadn't been baptized with the Holy Spirit. And they heard about the Holy Spirit. They went back into their house, and they knelt down on the floor, and they said to the Lord, Lord, if there's more, please can we have it? Bang! The Holy Spirit just powerfully came upon them, and they were baptized with the Holy Spirit. It happens differently to different people. I want to now read, and I hope I haven't lost it. No, I haven't. Good. Testimony from someone else in the church. See if you can recognize this person. This person was 40 years of age. This comes from the King's Church um, history, by the way. And he writes this. My biggest spiritual emotion had been hearing someone say aloud, Hallelujah! After morning service, 
I believed in the Reformed faith, considered personal holiness was the only way to please God, and believed the only way to receive blessing was by way of truth from the Word. I believed the Christian life on earth was one of self-sacrifice, and you experienced the joy in heaven. Most evenings, on my way home from work with a heavy heart, I would go to Mim and Jeff's to ask them to pray for me to be filled. How faithful they were. They never grumbled, just sought God. Very often, Mim ran out of breath, but never out of patience. One evening, five minutes before time to leave work, God put within me a driving impulse to go back to my secluded office and kneel down by my desk. No sooner was, on my, was I on my knees than God filled me. Boy, oh boy, what a relief. I was still frank, but Jesus was so wonderful, precious and glorious, I forgot about the Spirit and worshipped Jesus. You remember that, Frank? Give us away, Frank. The church began in Frank's house, so yeah, so sometimes we need to be persistent. You may be thinking, well, I was prayed for and nothing happened. Well, you know, thirst. Jesus said, hunger and thirst, and you will be satisfied. Ask, seek, knock, and you will be answered. Sometimes prayer can be helpful as well. This happened in Acts 8, 14 to 17. It says, when the apostles in Jerusalem heard that Samaria had accepted the word of God, they sent Peter and John to them. When they arrived, they prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit, because the Holy Spirit had not yet come upon any of them. See, the pilot light had come on. They were believers, but they had not been baptized with the Holy Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit had not yet come upon any of them. They had simply been baptized into the name of the Lord Jesus. Then Peter and John placed their hands in them and they received the Holy Spirit. So here, and there are many occasions that you can read about in the Acts of the Apostles, where the laying on of hands was instrumental in people being baptized with the Holy Spirit. So later on this morning, we're going to give opportunity for those who are thirsty, if you're thirsty, to come out and be prayed for. Second question I want to ask is this. Why should I be filled with the Holy Spirit? What effect does the baptism with the Holy Spirit have? Well, I've thought about this quite a lot recently. And those people that I've mentioned this morning, Joy and Frank and Jeff and Mim, I've known for decades. I've known for 40 years plus So I've been able to see the fruit of those initial experiences that they had. And not only that, but the ongoing experiences that they have had of the Holy Spirit. I have seen the effect of that in their lives over a period of decades. And I could point out more people as well who are sitting here today. Are they weird? Are they odd? Far from it. They're more normal, more spiritual, more encouraging, wiser, more loving than most. And I don't say that lightly. I say that because I've seen their lives for over 40 years. And that is the effect of the power of the Spirit in their lives. That initial experience of being baptized with the Holy Spirit set them on a course and that, and they have had ongoing experiences of being filled with the Holy Spirit that I have personally witnessed. Not all have I witnessed, but I've certainly witnessed enough to know that this Spirit is still at work. And they're still responding to the work of the Holy Spirit in their life. It's just a fact. There's no doubt in my mind. For the Holy Spirit comes and He produces fruit in our lives. 
Obviously, nobody's perfect. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, self-control. Against such, there is no law. So who wouldn't want to be baptized with the Holy Spirit? Who would not want to be filled with the Holy Spirit? It doesn't make sense. Do you want love? Do you want joy? Do you want peace? Do you want patience? Do you want kindness? Do you want goodness? Do you want self-control? Against such, there is no law. I'll tell you what. I'd like some more, please. In fact, not only would I like some more, I need some more. And you all say? Okay. Not only that, but there are dimensions of the spiritual life that God has for you. In a number of times, I have been personally blessed by the prophetic, where people have had prophetic words. Where does that come from? It comes from the Spirit of God. Because we are in a relationship with Him. He wants to communicate with us. And because he does, he wants to speak with us. And some of the prophetic words that uh, Joy and I have had over the years, we've held on to, don't we? They've been like, sometimes we felt as if we've been shipwrecked. And then someone's come along with a prophetic word. So it's like a lifeboat. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. I can remember Richard Lodge giving us a prophetic word many years ago. Richard, bless you for your faithfulness in doing that. And uh, we were going through a very dark time. And uh, Richard was actually, I might have shared this before, I don't know, he was on an airplane on business, flying to America, and he's looking out the window, and there was clouds, I think, and he came back and he said to us, you and Joy are standing on a mountain, and the mountain is shrouded in cloud, and you can't see anything. That was so true. It really was. He said, but God says, I'm going to lift the clouds. I'm going to remove them. And when I do, the view is going to be amazing. Now, at the time, there was no sign of that happening whatsoever. We were still in the gloom and the darkness of the clouds of life. But I have to say that word has been fulfilled and is continuing to be fulfilled. And it was like a lifeboat in the midst of that. So, you know, why should we be baptized with the Holy Spirit? Because God wants to move through us. God wants to speak to us. God wants to speak and act through you and me. Why is the book called The Acts of the Apostles? It's called The Acts of the Apostles because they were baptized with the Holy Spirit. And as a result of that, they went out and turned the world upside down. When you are saved, you see, you're ready for heaven. But are you ready for earth? And when the Holy Spirit comes upon us, because we know there are many difficulties on this earth that we need to overcome, many obstacles. We have an enemy who wars against us continually, who wants to undermine our faith at every single opportunity, wants to derail us. And then just the difficulties of life that come, and the Holy Spirit comes and gives us a power to help us to reign in life through Christ. So although we can learn about him, it was never intended for the Holy Spirit to be merely a topic that was discussed, but a person who was to be encountered. We want to know more than just facts. We want to encounter the living God. I know I need to keep being filled with the Holy Spirit because I get empty very quickly. I leak very easily. And I've been challenged as I've been studying this topic again as I've been reflecting on my own life. Are you really filled with the Holy Spirit again? Do you need to be? And I've been challenged, and I think, yes, I have. 